podcast has bad words. <laughs> this is the Minimalist Private Podcast. Today we're going to talk about ceremonial love. <laughs> ceremonial love. It sounded very sensual. It, yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> Jessica Bishop is with us. She is uh, from the budgetsavvybride.com. And we've been talking about weddings, but really I want to go beyond that. I want to talk about love. We can talk more about weddings and, and, and debt and all of these things and being budget conscious when, when doing that. We've got some questions as well. But there's this concept of, of love. And the reason I wanted to say you know, ceremonial love is I think quite often we, we put on a show to show other people we're in love. Mm. One of the best ways that we do this now is Instagram. Is it's portraying a idealized version of a relationship, which I actually I'm all for putting your best foot forward. I think, of course, uh, you know, aesthetics are important. I think that that uh, intentionality is important. I also think aspiration or dreams are important, and you can do that with social media. However, the problem becomes when we we portray something that doesn't actually exist. I, I saw Joe Rogan yeah. recently. Did you see this, Ryan? No, no. So his daughter, who's I think 12 years old, mm -hmm. she's like playing around with the, I think it's called Facetune. It's like the auto tune for faces. Yeah, it's basically, you can you can make your face look however you want. You can make yourself look beautiful. Oh, It's wow. terrifying it, how isn't much it? you can edit. Oh, well, wow. Here, here's the thing. Joe Rogan, she took a picture of him and like, and it's not just Photoshop. It is like, it's transformational. Oh, she took this. a picture of him, and it, she made Joe Rogan, a 52-year-old man, a hot young woman. Yeah, I do <laughs> and, remember and that, yeah. It, I was like, who is this attractive? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute, that's Rogan. That's Joe Rogan. Yikes. And and it was, mm. it was truly terrifying. And that's my point is we are often portraying something that doesn't exist. Mm. And sometimes we do that through the sort of wedding industrial complex. Yeah. And, and we are creating this facade in front of, by the way, facades are important. I want my house to look beautiful. Yes. But I'm gonna care less about the facade if the inside is being eaten by termites. Right. And unfortunately, many of us have relationships that don't justify getting married and getting married is actually a bad thing. In fact, I would argue that my first marriage, we should not have gotten married in the first place. Now that's not because it was a contentious relationship. We weren't fighting or arguing all the time, but we didn't know what our values were and we didn't know what our goals were. We had different endpoints. We had different objectives. And if that happens, where you have different values, you truly value different things, well, one of two things is gonna happen. Either you're going to drag the other person with you and they're going to be discontented yep. by what you're doing to that relationship and to them and putting them through, or they're gonna drag you in the, their direction. Or maybe there's a third option. You're both gonna stay stuck in the middle and neither one of you are going to feel any sort of sense of satisfaction or well-being and, and we were sort of playing this tug of war with our values. And it's not that I was right and she was wrong. It's that we were wrong for each other. Mm -hmm. And yet we still had the ceremony because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get married and, and you know, buy the big house in the suburbs and climb the corporate ladder. You're supposed to do these things. Well, it's okay if you do those things, yeah. if you do them intentionally. For the right reasons. It's, it makes me think about how 
you were talking about during the uh, the minimal episode about just getting that momentum. And it's another way to look at that is sometimes that we think if we can put up the facade, then everything else will fall in place. Mm. And uh, that is the exact opposite of how it should work. It's like you got to have the foundation first before you do these things that could be considered a facade. Like you said, they're not, facade isn't all bad. Yeah. You guys are preaching some realness right now. And it <laughs> resonates so much for me, actually, because I went through a divorce two years ago. Mm. And my situation with my former spouse was very similar to what you described. There was definitely like a lack of uh, the same sort of values and like goals and vision for our lives. And, uh, you know, we had a wonderful relationship, friendship, you know, but like ultimately, um, we found it was it was better to part ways mm-hmm. and um you know it took nine nine years for us to kind of come to that conclusion finally but mm. um yeah so everything you said really resonated for me and i think a lot of people kind of go through that same um kind of it's like a snowball or like you're on a train and and it's moving and you just go you're in a relationship maybe you're like right out of college and you mm. uh all your friends are getting married around you and and it's just you know the progression it's like oh you know you've been dating for this long like it's time to get married then it's time to buy a house then it's time to have kids and you just yeah. kind of you're on the path and it's kind of hard to divert yeah. um when momentum starts going too quickly I yeah think. you know i think like often i think that it's uh, you know, like when it comes to work, like when it comes to the documentary we're doing, when it comes to the book that we're doing right now, uh, sometimes you got to put your head down and just keep moving forward. But there are certain things in life that just putting your head down and keeping moving forward is the wrong thing to do. Uh, just thinking about the facade, th- th- when the facade is the most harmful is when we try to live up to other people's facade. Because that that is that's what social media is to me. It's like this, it's this fake world. It's this facade that influences our everyday decisions and actions. Um, but again, it's based off of this completely fake world. And it's again, it's okay to put your best foot forward, but to try and live life like, oh, this is this is how life should be. Oh, look at that person's life. That's how my life should be. Um, it's yeah it's it's just going to lead you it's going to lead you down a bad path well it's it's setting up a blueprint to sort of the life that you don't want to build right and well I, i've uh, as soon as we started talking about this I, I i just searched this paragraph here um this is a short excerpt from our new book love people use things which you can't buy right now but uh i'm only going to share this with the patrons here because it is about my marriage ending and there it sort of talks about why relationships fail before they ever even get started carrie and i met in high school but we didn't start dating until i was 19 or 20. i'm uncertain of the exact time because it was a slow burning courtship before i knew it we were living together and within a few short years as our relationship snowball accumulated mass we were engaged and then married and then building our first house and amassing consumer debt and living a life that felt unintentional mm. we were following predetermined steps ahead of living a thoughtful and delib- and deliberate life it's cliche to say we loved each other but we weren't in love but most cliches are grounded in profound truth According to Dr. Christopher Ryan, author of Sex at Dawn and Civilized to Death, a friend of ours, a friend of the podcast, uh, intimate relationships contain three essential elements, chemistry, compatibility, 
and love. Mm. Humans tend to enter into relationships based on one, sometimes two, of these factors. Maybe there is an initial sexual attraction, chemistry. Maybe there are shared interests, compatibility. Or maybe there's a deep connection that propels the relationship forward, love. Over time, however, the absence of any of these elements creates thoroughgoing dissatisfaction and eventually pain. Uh, one last paragraph here. This is true even if one or two of the elements are strong. You can have great sex, chemistry, and still have an unfulfilling relationship. You can agree about finances and lifestyle, compatibility, and still have an unsatisfying relationship. You can care deeply about each other, love, and still not want to be in a relationship together. That last one was the case for me. I loved and respected Carrie, but love isn't enough. We need all three elements to thrive. I think what's fascinating here, between the chemistry, the compatibility, and love... Uh, quite often what happens is there's chemistry early on or some sort of you know, physical attraction with someone and all of a sudden we're like we're head over heels we fall deep without even starting to consider compatibility like what are your interests yeah oh you want to go camping every day and i hate camping yeah um you collect bread makers whatever it is <laughs> like, <don't> eat bread <laughs> yeah. yeah um but because we felt that initial chemistry early on mm. we we turn a blind eye to this incompatibility now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't you know, uh, get into a relationship based on chemistry initially, but then you also want to figure out pretty early on, are we compatible? And then eventually, you know, do, do we love each other, right? And so, so that deep connection that propels a relationship forward, that is love. And, and we need all three components. And quite often... There's one, maybe there's two, but I will argue that if you don't have all three, the relationship is destined to drag you in some direction in which you don't want to go. I completely agree, and I think that's incredibly powerful um, and breaking it down that way. One thing that I would like love to hear more about from your perspective is like what you think the levels of compatibility are, because there's, I, in my opinion, like there's surface level compatibility, mm. like the same. TV shows and music and, you know, you like to do the same things together or whatever, but I think those fundamentals of the values mm -hmm. and life goals and, and those sorts of things are a different level of compatibility that yeah. you really have to look at. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I would look at, at the, um, our, Ryan and I, we identified the, the four types of values. And what you're talking about with interest, what you call the surface level stuff, actually I call surface values. Oh. And, and so <laughs> I think it's good to have similar interests, right? It, it makes sense for us to be with someone who has similar interests, not identical interests. You want some differences that creates a, a sort of uh, passion and, and even a good tension in the relationship, a sort of elasticity. Polarity. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so... We do want that, but I think more important than having the, the nice surface, the, the analogy we use in the book is if you're building a house, you have to have a foundation first. We have foundational values. I think those tend to be very similar for most people. And now they can express themselves differently, but health, relationships, creativity, mm -hmm. growth, contribution, th these are, are the foundation upon which a, 
uh, upon which our well-being and, and a meaningful life are are established. On top of that, you have structural values. Those things tend to change from person to person. It's what I would call your personal values. And you want a lot of overlap, I think, especially if you're going to spend uh, a lot of time with someone. It could be a significant other like me and Bex, or it could be a business partner like me and Ryan, or best friends like me and Ryan. Like you want to have similar personal values. Not, they're not going to be the same. Um, and then the surface values that's just what makes life sort of unique and fun. And, you know, you paint your walls a certain color and, and you, um, you, I mean, you can reconstruct your entire life just by changing your surface values quite often. And then I think, unfortunately, the, the fourth type of value are the, the imaginary values. Mm -hmm. And the, what happens is these are the values that actually get in the way to extend the house, housing metaphor there. We erect these giant fences around our house with no door and then we realize, we ask ourselves why we, why we can't access these higher order values is because we've, cr we've created all these imaginary values. And we say, well, I really value spending time on YouTube or watching television or checking email 17 times a day or whatever. Mm. These are the, how we actually spend our days. And now we, we probably don't say I value checking seven, email 17 times a day, but if I'm doing it, then that's actually what I value. Our values aren't what we say they are, it's what we actually do with our resources. And, and so quite often, I think those imaginary values, if you have a partner- a little bit confronting, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you attacked Jessica like that. How dare you? <laughs> well, I think what we do is, um, we, we let these imaginary values take up our time and get in the way. They erect these fences. Mm. They're not intentional boundaries, which are good for our relationship. They are these these fences that, that put distance between us and the people we love. Mm. And when we do that, of course, we're going to feel discontented. Yeah. Um, we I just thought of an, an analogy, too. It's like uh, just going with the house and, and that metaphor it's like if you have a uh, you know a, a room that's on fire and you're in the other room and you're trying to like find the perfect vase to fit into that room, <laughs> like that's mm -hmm. it, it's distracting. Uh, you, you mentioned walls, but yeah, it's another way to look at it is those uh, imaginary values can distract you from like what's actually important, what's going on. Yeah, 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 and and maybe they even keep us from seeing what's important. Yeah, if that fence is high enough, I can't even see what my real values are because I'm spending all my time sort of caught up in the minutia of of the excitement of ephemera of of the scrolling instagram and and distracting myself you know weapons of mass distraction that's what <laughs> we call them in the book mm. anyway we do this segment called more about less where we start off these uh, private podcasts with a segment where we read something it's really an article that's a jump off point uh, today's article is from time magazine and it's called I hate my wedding. I hate what my wedding did to me. Mm. I hate what my wedding did to me. It's by Jamie Brenner. And so I figure I'll read some of this and we'll use it as a jump off point to have some conversations yeah. about this. Maybe we'll agree with, disagree with her. I'm not really sure. I hate weddings. Or maybe I should say that I hate what weddings do to us, which is make us obsess for months about things that don't really matter and spend money on things we don't really need. I've had two weddings, one in my 20s and one in my 40s and what I remember isn't what I remember most isn't the fun I had at either, but the stress I felt leading up to both. Mm. 
and this is not an issue of size. Each of my weddings included fewer than 40 guests. Whether you're filling one long table with a few dozen friends and family members or a ballroom with hundreds, the pressure of meeting the expectations of today's wedding industrial complex can be crushing and, frankly, more trouble than it's worth. Wedding stress comes from different things for different couples, family expectations, expenses, the illusion that everything can be perfect if we just work hard enough. Let's talk about those three things real quick. Family expectations. I feel like we touched upon that in the minimal episode, but are there some obscene family expectations you've seen from parents and grandparents and siblings that you know people are never going to be able to live up to. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially when your family members are contributing financially to your day, mm-hmm. uh, it, they can tend to what might feel like overstepping yeah. <laughs> and taking full creative control over the event from, you know, wanting to include a huge you know, addition to your guest list of people you might not actually even know um, to, you know, wanting to make very specific choices about catering or whatever the case might be um, when there are financial uh, contributors or donators to your wedding fund. That's something that you just kind of have to grapple with. And Mm. um, outside of, you know, the monetary uh, situation that causes expectations, I think there's also just the expectations of the people who are invited and what they might be used to or be expecting from your event based on their relationship with you and what they know about you. Um, So wanting to like live up to something um, from other people and then the, the Instagram of it all we can talk about in the (laughs) next, in the next portion, but it's, it's a huge factor. I think. Yeah. How is this going to look on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and making weddings so that they're Instagram worthy weddings. Good and yeah. I mean, I, I'm, we're seeing this in architecture right now. And um, we know a guy who wrote an article about this. And um, I won't say his name because he, he's written about us before. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, anyway, he wrote an article about the. Actually, I would call it the good side of, of Instagram. I, I think mm-hmm. I, I think Instagram has done a few really good things. I think overall, they're probably a net, it's probably a net negative in many respects, especially yeah. if we don't use it intentionally. Right. Uh, but I, I think there are two things that we that Instagram has done well. Uh, the first thing is architecture and design has begun to think about making photo worthy spaces and as a result they have increased the uh, aesthetic pleasantness of uh, of their spaces mm. there's a hotel not far from where I live that I will I will go to well before the pandemic and I'd go and eat breakfast there occasionally they have a, a nice little restaurant and the whole space looks very Instagrammable yeah but I don't use it to Instagram anything. I've never taken a picture in there, but I believe that the overall experience is enhanced because they've really paid attention to the the surface aesthetics. Now, mm-hmm. that wouldn't work if they didn't have the things beneath the surface working well also. And that's where we get confused. The, the beautiful Instagram worthy wedding is nothing if the marriage is in shambles before it even starts. If you don't have the compatibility and the love and the chemistry well, then you can have all the Instagrammable moments that you want and still be utterly miserable. In fact, even more miserable because you know that you're portraying an image that doesn't exist in the real world. 
Yeah. Now, when I'm looking at these other things, the, the expenses, we talked about the average expense. Now, a lot of that money might come from families. If it's 30 some thousand dollars is your average weight, which is probably what we spent in yeah. 2000. When did I get married? 2002, something like that? Yeah. I don't know. Something like um, that. No, 2004 <laughs> maybe. Anyway, um, the, the mm. there, there were a lot of expenses there. And we paid, I, th- I want to say for all of them, I don't know if, if Carrie's parents helped us out at all. I don't think so. Uh, they may have given us a gift or something. But um, and, and Carrie was really into the whole planning process. She really actually enjoyed that. And, and so... I just sort of went along with the whole thing. But as a result of, of just going along, I almost got dragged along because I didn't realize like, oh, we're gonna go into massive amounts of debt for this. And so sometimes parents will pay for weddings if they can afford it. And uh, I, I don't know that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Although if you have to realize if anyone gives you money, they're probably gonna start dictating terms. Mm. But um, if you don't have the money for it, you're, you might go into debt or there's a third option. Mm. It's to not go into debt and to not take money from other people. Mm-hmm. And that's totally possible, right? It is totally possible. I think getting really clear on what about the wedding day and that party aspect of what a wedding is, what that looks like to you, what you realistically want to and are able to spend on it, mm-hmm. and being really intentional and committed together to making choices that fit within those parameters because like kind of as we talked about in the minimal episode, um, you're choosing to overspend on a day that is eight hours at most. Um, It's it's not an appreciating asset. It's literally just burning money, right? Mm -hmm, Um, Which it's still meaningful and I don't want anybody to think that I don't, I mean, weddings are my business. (laughs) Like this is what I do. I love love the celebration and I think it's, very meaningful and and yeah. and especially to be surrounded by your family but i think you kind of have to keep it in perspective mm-hmm. and you know like we've talked about making sure that the foundations are there and um and scaling back if you need to based on your budget parameters well yeah, yeah i think we could talk about scaling back some of the ways that that we scale back so what what are the what are the ways that that people spend the most money or where are the areas in which people spend the most in in a wedding Definitely catering, um, food and beverage is a large portion of the budget, usually around 50%, sometimes more, depending on, uh, you know, if your venue cost is rolled up into the catering as Mm -hmm. well um, in certain situations. Um, But things like, you know, having an open bar with top shelf liquor, like that's expensive. Um, And it seems to be, you know, one of the areas that couples feel a bit obligated to, you know, entertain their guests in that way and can easily just derail your entire budget. Mm. Yeah, I think you have to realize you're not obligated to do anything here. Right. This is your party. And so the only thing that you, you, you're you obligated is, you know, you, you, what is the, I think the first line in our first book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, is we're but dogs chained by the collars of our own obligations. Mm-hmm. Like these obligations that we've created are are they're self-constructed yep. and if we have constructed them ourselves we can tear down those obligations ourselves yeah i wonder how much stress that people feel during the weddings is not really the pressure that others are putting on them as much as the pressures they're putting on themselves because of what they think other people want or because of those obligations yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. I, i've actually seen a few people 
uh, who I'm close to who have sent me wedding invites who have canceled their weddings or postponed them indefinitely or postponed them to next year mm -hmm. because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm sure it's you're such seeing... such a hard time right now for yeah. couples. I feel... I, I just, my heart goes out to them, to be yeah. honest. But what, what are the what are the things that you see? So some people are just go ahead and they they're getting married without the ceremony, postponing the ceremony and, and indefinitely, or they're rescheduling. The problem with rescheduling is what we're finding out is like this is going to stick around a lot longer than than we initially anticipated. So yeah. I had a set of friends who rescheduled their wedding from I think it was April or March to september and they've already had to cancel it oh, now right. and then now they're just everything's up in the air hey stay tuned we'll let you know yeah. but um what, so what are people doing right now yeah i think it's been a really challenging time for couples and it's been a real moving target because as more information has come out about the virus and everything like it's it's changed um policies and regulations in different areas and it doesn't help that like every area of the country is kind of handling it in a different way so that mm. prevents challenges because it's hard to advise people with a one-size-fits-all solution which you can't in weddings in a lot of cases because they're all like unique snowflakes i like to mm. say but uh based on the couple's values and priorities but uh and budget but in terms of like things that couples are doing during this time like you said like eloping just like going ahead and getting married on their original date especially if that date is important to them and meaningful mm -hmm. to them like a lot of people have like you know their dating anniversary or the first time they said that they love each other or something like mm -hmm. as their wedding date and so they really want to keep that particular date so they might choose to elope or have a small backyard ceremony with just their closest family who can be there uh, depending on the regulations in their area um, and then potentially postponing the bigger party to a later date but you know, as we mentioned, like it's a moving target and there's just really no way to know how long this is going to go on. And yeah. Are you seeing any socially distanced weddings? I, I, I mean, I, I assume just because there are a few people who have, I mean, Ryan's and my, you know, part of what we do is we go out and we give talks in front of large crowds. We haven't been able to do that this year. Uh, we haven't been able to do corporate speaking gigs either, where we go out to, you know, some sort of uh, corporation or nonprofit or, or school or you know, high school or, or college. And we give a talk because people aren't meeting in those spaces anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there are some people who are able to get around that. You know, in, back in Dayton, Ohio, Dave Chappelle is doing uh, these uh, distanced stand-up shows, <laughs> and he's doing it actually at an outdoor wedding facility. He oh, has wow. a friend who has this wedding facility, and they're giving everyone masks, and they're taking everyone's temperature, and, and they're, everyone is making sure they're seated 10 feet apart or whatever, and he's still able to do his sort of stand-up show that way. Uh, there are other comedians who are now doing, um, it's, I don't know if it's very lucrative for them, but it allows them to keep their repetitions going, is they're doing these um, drive-in theaters, but oh, instead yeah. of a movie playing, they're up on stage, everyone's in their car <laughs> doing the, the, the drive-in experience. So I, I assume you can do socially distanced weddings, but that's going to have its own sort of, uh, it's going to leave its own flavor on the memories. Yeah, mm. for sure. You're going to have guests wearing masks in your photos <laughs> and um, your tables might have to be spread farther apart, which depending on your venue may or may not be possible. Yeah. So there's like just so many moving pieces to mm. consider, honestly. Um, but, you know, to your point, like live events in general are suffering right now, whether it's concerts, um, cor corporate events, conventions, wedding, the wedding industry has been hit really hard um, oh, by the virus as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's this um, 
The city of Nashville has to be panicking right now. There are no bridesmaids <laughs> oh, parties. Right. The bachelorette parties. Yeah, yeah, the bachelor. Yeah, every time I I, I go to Nashville, it's it's just uh, bachelorettes running around yeah. town. It's, yeah. it's, it's uh, out of control. It's more popular than Vegas. It's on Broadway, right? Yeah, yeah I think it's the it's 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 like the it's the Vegas for bachelorettes. Yeah. It yeah. is. It absolutely yeah. is. You grew up in the area, I right? I did. Yeah, I grew up in a <laughs> suburb of Nashville, and it's it's, it's a spectacle. <laughs> I'm yeah. just thinking about yeah. the last time we were there. I just like every 20 minutes, there's just like a bunch of girls on one of those bicycle beer carts. Whoa! Yeah. The pedal like every, tavern. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah. There's like one puking off the side, still <laughs> pedaling. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was just down in uh, Franklin, um, Tennessee. I love Franklin. Yeah, it's it's a great spot. It's. Uh, it, it, amazing little town. Um, that's where Ramsey's headquarters is, and we were we were filming some stuff with them. And um, you were talking earlier about you know, wedding days, and yeah, I remember my first wedding. I think our uh, it was, we got married on July 10th, and I was trying to do July 11th just so I could remember the date because 7-Eleven, I'd definitely <laughs> be able to remember. Um, but yeah, Carrie was not. In fact, she was against it because it was 7-Eleven. Oh, that's hilarious. And a really <laughs> popular one for this year was 10-10-20. Oh, oh yeah. And then there was like February 2nd, 2020. It was like, a is it a palindrome? Or yeah. It's like reverse, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. That would have been good. Yeah. Mine is, so since Bex and I didn't have a, a wedding day or anything, uh, we, we deprived her parents and family and everyone uh, just to meet our own <laughs> standards. <laughs> we're so selfish. And none of them were talking to you now, right? Well, they weren't talking to me before, so <laughs> it's fine. Uh, that's another thing. Realize you're not marrying your uh, significant other's family, mm. although you're still going to have to deal with them, so you want to be cordial. But but also, like, it, that's not... the. It, it's funny because I, I don't I don't knock it along. In fact, that would probably be a deal breaker if I, if I vehemently... You know, was didn't get along or was uh, antagonized by her family, but generally I'm used to being the guy that you know, the woman's parents love, mm-hmm. and like I've had great relationships with with uh, the dads of of women I've dated in the past, and and I don't I just don't have that in my current relationship. But that's not the reason you're getting married. Mm. I know Ryan, you were in a relationship once where I think you, you, you were just basically friends with her parents. Oh, that, that kept you in the relationship. <laughs> I've had a couple of relationships like that. It was the family that kept me in, in the relationship rather than the person that I was, that I was dating. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's the it's some of the toughest relationships I've had to remove myself from because um, it was hard to remove myself from like their awesome family that they had. So I don't know if you and Mariah do an anniversary, but Bex and I do because mm. I, I still like having rituals and stuff. Yeah. But um, our first date was on my birthday. Oh. Mm. And so my birthday is our anniversary. It's easy for me to remember. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, like, but also I don't like celebrating my birthday. So, but Bex does like celebrating my birthday. So we get to celebrate. And I, I feel better about cele- celebrating on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Mariah and I, our first date, it was like right around her birthday, which yeah. I my birthday is eight days before hers. So yeah, mm. similar. It was right in the middle though. I don't remember exactly what which day, but but we already celebrate Mariah's birthday. Maybe we'll start making that uh, our anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just it, double whammy. You're robbing yourselves of the experience I, of celebrating <laughs> your love in addition to your birthday. Yeah, you know, well, as I, the woman, I have to like you know. I know. I appreciate <laughs> that. It's actually a triple whammy because we celebrate both of our birthdays. Because they're right around the same time, so like we just do something for both of our birthdays, and now the anniversary. So yeah, um, it's a triple whammy for us. <laughs> and because it's really close to Thanksgiving, you can just do it all on Thanksgiving. Right. Good to go. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> call it the gauntlet. It's the, like Christmas, anniversary, my birthday's mm -hmm. in January, and Valentine's Day's February. It's just like bam, bam, that bam, is bam. The gauntlet. There's always wow. another reason to buy someone oh another pair of cufflinks. Yes. All right, well, let's uh, continue with this article here. <laughs> We've got, uh-oh, I don't want your pop-up. Hey, by the way, if your website, I shouldn't say this, Jessica's here. Does your website have pop-ups on it? It has a little thing for my email opt-in uh, on the side. But, but it doesn't it cover up? the whole screen. <laughs> but you guys, you guys really do have me rethinking a bit about my advertisements. So. Well, some pop-ups are worse than others. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, but they're all evil. <laughs> <laughs> I did Actually, I did a survey. Let me find my, my Twitter survey because here's the thing. Um, I, I just want to say, what's, what's public opinion on this? Because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my own preferences are just stilted and, and I'm jaded for whatever reason. So I said, hey, what's worse? Number one, website pop-ups. Number two, email autoresponder. <laughs> number three, they're both evil. Mm -hmm. Or number four, I enjoy pop-ups and autoresponders. <laughs> well, 53.1% of the vote says website pop-ups are evil. Wow. 43% say they're both evil. 2% mm. say email autoresponders are more evil than website pop-ups. And a whopping 1.9% of people say they enjoy pop-ups and autoresponders. <laughs> this is hundreds of people responding on Twitter, by the way, That's at hilarious. JFM on Twitter if you want to follow me there. But um, yeah, the, the, I don't know where I was going with pop-ups. Oh, uh, yeah. Time Magazine just threw a pop-up in my face. <laughs> this is something else that is weird. Uh, Bex and I were talking about this this weekend because our, our our model to provide podcasts to people is we keep them advertisement-free. Mm -hmm. We keep our blog advertisement-free. But the people who want to support us, they can either buy books from us. They can uh, Obviously, the, the best way to support us and, and get something every week is to be a Patreon supporter. So mm -hmm. thank you if you are. Well, if you're listening to this, you're a Patreon supporter. Yeah. So thank you for that. But what's weird is there's there are subscription models. In fact, there are some people who have Patreons who still do ads on the Patreon episodes. Really? Which is like, at first I get mad. Double dipping. Yeah, I'm like, you're double dipping. But doesn't, yeah. I mean, uh, the New York Times does it. Yeah. I, I subscribe to the New York Times, and yet they still give me advertisements. <laughs> I'm giving you money. And, and Dude. I would pay you to not advertise to me. In fact, I do that. With YouTube, their, their service YouTube Premium, it's the best $12 I spend a month yeah. because I never, ever, ever see an ad on there. And when I'm logged into someone else's YouTube and I start playing a YouTube video now and an advertisement pops up, I remember this happened the first time this happened to Ella. An advertisement popped up. She handed me the tablet. She said, it's broken, it's broken, it's broken, <laughs> oh, it's broken. Wow. Because there was an ad. And you know what? That's exactly right, Ella. It is broken. Yeah. If you're getting advertisements from this video that you want to watch and it's interrupting the experience, then I think it's broken. Dude, I feel like that is... People are just... Our businesses are constantly asking, how can we insert more advertisements into people's lives? It is, that is, yeah, it's getting miserable, man. And, and the opposite would be, how can we add value to this audience? Right, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, ads, that's like the shortcut to uh, revenue generating. Yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate, but, but that's, of course, that's why people go to it. Of course, as Seth Godin says, there are no shortcuts. There are only direct paths. Yeah. And uh, I think what happens is we try to take these, these, these shortcuts, but what we do in the meantime is we forsake the people that we're trying to build trust with. And it's hard to build trust if we're constantly, <coughs> excuse me, if we're constantly uh, betraying that trust yeah. through 
this nonsense that we're seeing right here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> we talked about expenses. We talked about, oh, the illusion that everything can be perfect if we just work hard enough. Mm. This is what causes the most stress, right? I think so. I want everyone to realize that perfection is an illusion. Mm. It is not possible. The only realistic option is to be imperfect. Mm. Um, and if you can learn to roll with the punches and embrace the imperfections, they usually lead to the best stories, mm. <laughs> honestly, especially on a wedding day. Um, on the day I got married in 2009, I um, was freaking out because it was raining, you know, and they mm. tell you like, oh, raining on your wedding day, that's good luck. And I'm like, that's what they tell brides. They don't want to like cry. Mm. Um, <laughs> but what happened was we were getting married at this, you know, Southern event venue and the week leading up to the wedding, it rained torrentially yeah. to the point where they could not erect the tent that we had paid for, for our reception oh, wow. um, because it had rained so much that week prior. Mm. And so we ended up having to make a last minute switch and move everything underneath like a porch, a covered porch at the venue. And we crammed all our 150 guests in this little area, wow. but it, it honestly made it feel more intimate in a lot of ways because you were right up on top of everybody. Mm. Um, and we all had a great time, mm. like crammed in there together on the dance floor and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's it, things are going to go wrong. Bad things are going to happen. It's life. Um, but if you can just learn to like roll with it, I think you're going to you know, be much better off than trying to pursue perfection, which literally is impossible. Yeah. No, I like that. It's uh, make a story of it. Instead of making it this nightmare event, find the humor in it, find the story in it, and yeah, it can help shift your perspective. We never look in the rear view and say, I wish I would have panicked more while right. planning my wedding. <laughs> yeah, I didn't stress enough. <laughs> <laughs> never, ever. And by the way, I think it's important to realize that, that the job of your wedding is not to exacerbate you. Be, and, and, but often that's what it does. It exacerbates us. We feel overwhelmed. We're so stressed out that we're losing sleep. The The rain thing happened to me as well. We, we, we got married in a church, but um, it, it was pouring, pouring thunder and lightning. And it was just, but yeah, of course, it's 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 lucky, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and, and there was all kinds of stress around that. There was stress around... The, the absurdity of the whole thing. I mean, the, the tuxedos and the... We rented a stretch Hummer. Do you remember this? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my goodness. I was trying to remember if it was a stretch Escalade or a stretch Hummer. It was a Hummer. It was a stretch Hummer. Yeah. yeah. Bex Seems found like the picture. the antithesis of you. Ballin'. It is now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am the antithesis of my former self. Back in the oddies, I was a portrait of overindulgent, stressed out, indebted consumption and mm. and so i made good money but spent even better money i was overweight i was unhealthy and i was not living in accordance with my values because i didn't even know what my values are i didn't take the time i didn't have the time to sit down and 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 even say hey um is this the direction in which i want to travel and and so i just started running in the wrong direction is if i i'll get there faster if i run well no not if you're running the wrong way. Mm. You're actually getting farther away from the place in which you intend to travel. And so, yeah, I think that this perfectionism thing is, is the thing that exacerbates us. And 
I, I wish it were as easy as to say, oh, don't worry about it. I mean, I'm a neurotic person. I worry about everything. <laughs> I think- Relatable. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and so I think maybe the key for someone like me is to step back and ask yourself, you know, will this matter a year from now? Will this matter a decade from now? Mm. And sometimes the answer to that is going to be yes. And if so, I better focus my attention and effort and resources on that. However, most of the time, the answer to that is it's not gonna matter 10 days from now, mm. let alone a year from now. And even now, I have to do this exercise all the time. Will this matter a year from now? And I, I have to ask myself that. Uh, for example, this morning I was working on the book. I, I got up at 4.30 this morning and started working on uh, this book, which is almost finished. Well, the fifth draft is almost finished. And I'm, I'm at this point where, it, yes, this will matter a year from now. This book will matter 10 years from now. And so I better get this right. I'm not going to get it perfect. But I better be able to look myself in the mirror and say, this is the best I could do given the resources I had. Mm -hmm. Now, the opposite Yesterday or two days ago, I got up early in the morning and I hopped on Twitter. <laughs> Is this going to matter a year from now, this tweet that I'm trying to compose? Mm. Probably not. Almost certainly not. Uh, there, I have maybe seven tweets that really matter. And, <laughs> uh, and, um, and the, all the rest are... are are ephemeral and, and they're just they're they're well, gone. You saying you saying that made me think like what 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 is a meaningful? I want to see these seven tweets <laughs> that are like without without them on Twitter, life would be different. You know what I'm saying? Scroll, there are a few things. He's so, skeptical about your statement. Sure, no, I, <laughs> no, I I'm not skeptical. That's, that's it's fair. just it's just funny how you're right though. I mean, the vast majority of it. Mm -hmm. Is, is is not meaningful. Well, I think it can be meaningful in one of two ways. Mm -hmm. One is it's a spark that creates a beautiful conflagration later. So, mm -hmm. for example, love people use things because the opposite never works was originally a tweet. Yeah. So that one sort of statement, mm. yeah, which which becomes you know, this mantra for everything that we do. It becomes the description for everything mm. that we do. Yeah. It started in, in 2013. Without Twitter, we wouldn't have love people use things because the opposite never works. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. I gotcha. uh, there are other there are other sort of maxims like that. Like scrolling is the new smoking is one of the most popular things. I love that yeah. one. Thank yeah. you. And, and so like that and so that will actually become something larger later. Well you know Jess, we really encourage you to love people and use things. <laughs> <laughs> and, because the opposite never right, works. Right. And retweet tweets. <laughs> right. Uh, now um, now, there are other tweets that are meaningful in a different way. So, for example, I first discovered minimalism because of a tweet. Someone had, yeah. someone that I followed retweeted our friend Colin Wright, who was not our friend at the time. I had no idea who he was. Mm -hmm. And it was this video of him and the 52 items he owned and, and him talking about that, his journey. And um, I don't even remember the specific video. I just remember it leading me down this amazing rabbit hole from him I, I discovered leo babalta and courtney carver and joshua and kim becker and nina yao and and um uh, tammy strobel mm -hmm. and a bunch of different people and that rabbit hole continued to widen and, and so there that one tweet was a portal through which i traveled and created this whole new life mm. so you, that's the other problem i have is sometimes you don't know what will matter and what won't matter mm. now that's not the, the criteria to well, I guess I got to spend all day on Twitter because some something's going to matter to someone eventually. Mm -hmm. No, I want to create things that add value to people's lives. And sometimes the best medium for that is a tweet. But yeah. usually it is, it's going deeper. Whether that's a private podcast episode, whether it's a book, uh, it could be a YouTube video that we do. It, it, 
it it could be a film that we put on Netflix. You know, there are different ways to communicate and I want to find the best vehicle for that. Now, speaking mm -hmm. of vehicles, I think that the, the wedding is often the best vehicle to celebrate this union for people. And it, there's, there's something about tradition. I think quite often we, we, we talked about this term recently, Ryan, contemporaneity, mm -hmm. which just means that if something is new, then it is better. Mm -hmm. And I don't agree with that, but I also don't think just because something is traditional, it is better either. Now, there are traditional weddings. You deal with a lot of them. In fact, many weddings, most weddings have traditional aspects from them. Well, Tradition simply means it's something that has worked for a really long time and that people have carried forward. Now, that's good because what you're doing is, if you're doing something that's traditional, what you're saying is there's some wisdom to be gained from what's going on in the past. I want to pull some of that wisdom forward. Key word there, some of that wisdom. You don't have to take someone else's tradition verbatim and then make it your own. You can pull forward the parts that you will get value from, add that with the contemporary aspects of your life, of modern life, and create a new sort of tradition that you can then pass on if necessary. Yeah. When you are dealing with weddings, you have a lot of people who, what are the traditional things that people often do that, um, that stress them out? I think in today's like more modern world that we're all in, I think couples are questioning a lot of those older traditions, things sure. like having you know, the father walk the bride down the aisle. Mm. Like the feminists of the world are like, I don't need to be given away by my father. I'm mm. not his property. Mm. I'm gonna walk myself down the aisle or mm. I'm not gonna have that aspect of the ceremony included where there's an exchange of like, here's your woman, you know, at the end of the aisle. Uh, things like that is something I see people kind of bucking tradition on. and. Mm -hmm. Um, other things like the bouquet toss and the garter toss, you know, some people aren't into that. And it's another thing of being like, oh, who's next to get married as if mm. getting married. I mean, it's wonderful and it's an amazing life moment, but as if that's the peak of what you aspire to in life, mm -hmm. and, which I think some for someone like me, like growing up in the South where I did, like it really very much was that like you go to you know, high school, you go to college, you meet your person, hopefully before you graduate. And so you have that person like locked down so you can get married and like start on the, you know, the path mm -hmm. that everybody goes on. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, they call it the MRS degree. Right. I've, I've heard. <laughs> oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. That's yes. awful. I mean, yeah. in my sorority in college, we did, um, we had like, you know, celebrations when girls would get engaged mm. while we were still in college. Oh, wow. um, so it's just, it's a crazy thing. But so traditions like the garter and bouquet toss kind of like play into that sort mm. of um, situation. That's unfortunate because it presupposes that, that the marriage is the goal. Whereas I think the objective is to have a meaningful partnership, a relationship with someone to whom you're committed. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and commitment can look a bunch of different ways. You know, there are more traditional relationships between a man and a woman. There's obviously gay marriage, but then there's all there, there are multi-partner uh, partnerships now. And it's not to say one is better or more right than the others. 
my situation may not be appropriate for you and vice versa. And what we can do when we start questioning tradition is saying, which traditions are appropriate for me? Because ultimately, I don't think marriage should be the goal for anyone. It should be a byproduct of that commitment. It should be a celebration of the commitment, mm. not a uh, not a marker of the commitment. Yeah, I think that's why I, well, I mean, <clears throat> I was already married, so I don't, you know, like I don't have this urge to like go out and do it again. But the fact that the relationship that I have with Mariah, like that is what drives me. And I don't need a certificate or a wedding to uh, symbolize that. I mean, the way I treat her, the way we treat each other, the way we, you know, act in the world, like that is, that's the, that's the meat of it. Mm -hmm. And again, there's nothing wrong with a wedding, but I just love the idea of raising kids and teaching them that and saying, hey, look, like the, the the really strong thing about, you know, me and your mom is it's it's what we do for each other. It's the relationship. It has nothing to do with marriage or a certificate or having a ceremony. It's about finding someone that you can bring into your life and, and have an outstanding life with. I've had to start having these conversations with Ella because she's seven now. And, you know, Bex and I, we refer to each other as husband and wife. And um, we, we say we're married. And, and Ella will often question that, like, but you didn't have a wedding. Mm. So you're not married. Mm. And I'm like, well, why do you say that? And and trying to make her understand that like your you know, the 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 cultural meme the Hollywood rom com of it mm. all, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah the, 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 that sort of meme that you've been you've been shuttled it's been shuttled into your life by other people, that's one way to approach marriage. And so it, it's difficult. I've realized rather recently, in fact, that if you really want to understand whether you understand something, try to explain it to a seven-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and, and because it makes you explain it in terms that aren't dumbed down, but are the simplest terms. And because you know, I, I never talked to Ella like she's a baby. Even when she was a baby, I didn't talk to her like she was a baby. Um, and, and now I will use words that maybe she doesn't understand from time to time, but that's just an opportunity to explain what the, the word means. And, and so this, we can have the same conversation about marriage where it's like, hey, that is one way to have a marriage. But let's talk about what marriage really means and why we have these wedding ceremonies. Yeah. We got some just, questions here. All you have to do is look at her and say, Ella, we don't have to live up to your societal norms. <laughs> 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 She'll get that. You sheep. <laughs> <laughs> right, Just imagine you looking at her bad. <laughs> <laughs> she gets so mad. She would get so mad. All right, we got some surprise questions here. Looks right. like Jared has a question for us. We planned our wedding completely debt-free. That's awesome, Yay. Jared. Yeah. We paid $2,500 all in, had the ceremony on the waterfront, the reception at a local restaurant, uh, paid $60 for a cake and hired a photographer for only two hours of her time. Beat that. Well, Jared, I spent $0 on my wedding. Minimalist. <laughs> well, I mean, I, technically, all you really need is the marriage license if you're doing it, yeah. you know, the legal way. But uh -huh. What do those cost uh -huh. these days? Like 35 bucks or something? I'm uh, imagining. Yeah, usually <laughs> under 100 yeah. It depends, yeah. yeah. Probably depends on the state. I know Podcast John spent 200 bucks on his wedding. It nice. was, it was wow. all on whiskey. Nice. Yeah, You'll, you're gonna most likely need an efficient. There's like a few states apparently where you can self officiate your wedding, so that oh, there's awesome. literally like no wow extras needed. I mean, that's, that's awesome. about as minimalist as it gets. Yeah, 
We we have this. Uh, I'm just I'm thinking of this because while we were taking a bathroom break, Jordan was telling me the story when he was growing up. You know, when we ask we ask um, kids like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" When you grow up, my two answers: I was really young. I was like three or four. I said I wanted to be a ninja or an alligator. <laughs> and um, obviously, you didn't become a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like to think I'm kind of a little bit of both now. Alligator ninja. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so Jordan in school, they were they were going around asking people like, "What do you want to be?" And, you know, kids are like, "I want to be a firefighter. I want to be an astronaut." And uh, so he was just like waiting for his turn, and and for some reason his answer was, "I want to be a prince." <laughs> <laughs> and, but then they got to him, they're like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" He goes, "I want to be a princess." <laughs> Oh, Jordan, you, you're a princess in my eyes, buddy. <laughs> and, and, but I actually think this is the problem. Like, we, how many brides want to be, you know, there's a whole, like, meme of this, Bridezilla or whatever, yeah. where yeah. you want to be a prince or a princess. Yeah. But that, that also shouldn't be the objective. Mm. It, it, it's your day, but the expectation of royalty literal royalty mm. what is what does that mean that means decadence it means uh, overindulgent luxury mm-hmm. it, it means um, it means being so divorced from reality that you lose a perspective that is necessary for well-being yeah and so we have these sort of bridezillas as as they call it um, and I think that only can lead to discontent I agree wholeheartedly and I think I, I feel lucky that in my little corner of the wedding uh, industry that the brides that I encounter don't tend to have those like crazy unrealistic expectations. Mm. They are rational. They know that like their money is only going to go so far and they can't expect the moon if or, you know, they can't expect a champagne fountain if they only have a PBR budget. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So um, PBR fountain patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> You can get it at the Marie Kondo store. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen her store lately? No, I've never been on. I've never <laughs> Hold been on, let me store. pull it up, man. Uh, it's. Uh, I'm sorry, Jess. I didn't mean to derail you. <laughs> oh, no, I'm really no. good at derailing the conversation. I'm, I am too. I'm. I'm very much a tangent chaser. Yeah. All right, I just typed KonMari store into Google. Oh, and the first thing that popped up was an ad for the KonMari store. You just probably cost her a dollar because mm. you clicked on the ad. I'm mm. happy about that. <laughs> um, all right, accept her cookies. Yes, I accept everything. Or, I, can we just agree that I've I've, right? I've accepted the terms? Dude. I, I, yeah, tell you what. <laughs> Isn't uh, that part of the new internet rules that happened over the last couple of years? Well, yeah, and yeah. in California specifically, too. There's oh. like a California data and privacy yeah. thing that's newer as well. Interesting. And, and, and so can we just agree that like if I've, you can have my credit card information, <laughs> send me whatever you want to send me. I just don't want to click anything else. Right. I will buy your grill and your your all birds and your bread maker. So here's here's that's what you call a callback. Here is the eight week tidying challenge pick. So the first thing, of course, is her book, which is actually very helpful. Who's that tuning for? Great question, Ryan. I'm glad you asked. It's the unconditional love tuning fork and rose quartz crystal for seventy five fucking dollars. Wow. Why aren't we selling tuning forks and crystals? What? You guys really haven't done enough with your personal brand. You know, it's funny. I, <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly right. Uh, but Ryan, yeah. Wait, there's more. <laughs> if you act now, you can also get the Finding Balance tuning fork and clear quartz crystal. 
What in the world? Oh, there's multiple flavors. Okay. Oh, you can get your find your Zen organic <laughs> meditation floor cushion because you can't meditate without a hundred and seventy dollar cushion. Specifically for mm. meditating and nothing else. Yes. You know, I will say that Marie Kondo. I mean, she, design-wise, and I think decluttering and minimalism kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, but I don't think she doesn't really talk about minimalism. No, no, se, no, does she, she doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And uh, by the way, like I said, I think her tidying book is really, really useful. The way she folds shirts, yeah, which yeah. is also the same way J. Crew folds shirts, but um, let's just... Coincidence? <laughs> uh, here's the thing. like I think the way that she organizes stuff can be really helpful. However, we have to be careful with organizing because... If we don't do so deliberately, we have professional organizers. Yeah. Uh, you're a professional wedding organizer. <laughs> Those people understand that organizing involves getting rid of most of the superfluous, right? And it has nothing to do with using a tuning fork and crystal. <laughs> you know, it's the, t uh, and I'm not even, because like Mariah, uh, my wife, she loves crystals. I mean, sometimes like I'll wake up and I will put my hand underneath her pillow and there's like a couple crystals sitting there that, oh. I mean, she just, I, it does something for her, which more power to her. And, I, you know, I don't give her a hard time for her crystals. Um, I think it's kind of cute, actually. However, when you rely on a crystal and a tuning fork to declutter your life or to simplify, um, it's not the tuning fork that's going to get you there. It's the actions. It's 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 uh, uh, the work you put into it. That's what's going to get you results. It's not going to be some kind of magical, you know, happening just because you get a tuning fork and... What, what do you even do? Do you like hit the tuning fork and then hold it next to the crystal? Well, I ordered some, so we'll find out <laughs> on next episode. This is like um, com commodification, like overload. Mm. It's like people feel like they need some extra tool to accomplish something that they could accomplish just by focusing on what they're trying to do. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah right. I, I find it to be incredibly quixotic to think that hey, we, we do this technology all the time. I'll get one more app to solve all my app problems. Yeah. Uh, I, I will get one more organizer to organize my my organizational problem. And here's the thing. She has some things on here that are aesthetically beautiful that I, I think are great. Yeah. I, she has this... Uh, charcoal storage basket with handles like i think it's beautiful yeah she has a wire market basket it's beautiful yes uh there are some things on here that are great for organizing however don't think you're going to organize your way to well-being right you, you can be like me in my 20s i had a whole basement full of unnecessary stuff it was really well organized i mean it was parts of it were alphabetized mm -hmm. and that's not going to make things better it's just it's moving the deck chairs on the titanic and and you're still sinking uh mm -hmm. throughout this this whole thing mm -hmm. but uh, when it does come down to it, when you get down to the appropriate amount of items you are you you can use some of these tools to help you increase the sort of aesthetic pleasantness of mm -hmm. Uh, of the space and I think there are some things on her website that are actually fairly nice I don't know what the zebra body brush is do you think it's made from real zebras <laughs> one can only assume <laughs> jade eggs I don't know eucalyptus that looks like a jade salt. egg yeah that's a eucalyptus is that thing. A, it, what, was that a ukulele uh, I hope so all the way this? to the right loofah, oh like it's a, a loofah <laughs> looks is like it? a musical instrument yeah, <laughs> oh well um, but again, to your point, though, these things are very aesthetically pleasing. I totally agree yeah. with that. Aesthetically um, pleasing, single-use, like, yeah. not single-use, but, like, uh, uh, single-purpose. Single-purpose, yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is, like, 
this lends itself to the uh, metaphor I was trying to use earlier about if you have a, a room that's on fire mm-hmm. and you're trying to find the perfect loofah, <laughs> that's the priorities are a little mixed up there. Yeah, the, I think the metaphor I use in the book is similar to that with uh, if your house is on fire, it doesn't matter how many coats of paint you put on the yeah. exterior, yeah. it's not going to fix the problem. And and this is true. You can actually have some of these really beautiful items. If you're going to use them, if they, if they enhance or augment or amplify your experience of life, but don't get caught up thinking these are the solution right. to a problem. Yeah. These are decor. These are adornments. Yeah. And so, yeah. Do so carefully and intentionally. Yeah. And getting something, like you said, Jess, just for the single function of it, um, which there are some single function items you definitely want to have. Um, but it seems like, yeah, it seems like that store is encouraging massive quantities of single functioning items. Yeah. Yeah. Just be careful with that. We got one more question here from Sue. My daughter bought her dress at Savvy Bride and we're discussing a scaled down wedding. What are the best ways to scale down a wedding? So we, we touched on this earlier, but um, if we're looking at, at unnecessary expenses, uh, often food, we talked about uh, the, the bar, but there are some expenses I, I've noticed. Like uh, I, think, I think Carrie bought two wedding dresses because oh. she had, you see this happen, I'm sure. Like she bought one and like she liked it, yeah. a lot but then she found one she liked better that's an endless pursuit you'll always find something that this is channel surfing right yeah but it with wedding dresses but it's every time you change a channel you're spending hundreds of dollars yeah and wow and the the nice thing about the second wedding dress she found it was a really inexpensive one she found online this is way way back in the day and um it it worked out really well for her but Sometimes there's no difference. In fact, you could find a better wedding dress for $100 than $5,000 in many instances. So I think there are some areas here where we overspend where we don't have to, right? Right. I think especially if you're working with like a smaller budget, um, thing a, a thing I like to encourage couples to think about is like how is this choice or this expenditure going to affect the experience of the wedding and how is it going to affect my guests? Or does this decision or this expense only in essence, benefit just me or just my partner. So like, I really, I mean, I, I know that there are fashionistas out there who like really want a designer dress. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's you, you know, maybe consider buying secondhand instead as a way to cut back. Um, it's becoming hugely commonplace and popular to go on these websites where you can browse secondhand dresses. You might be able to find that designer dress for less than half the price of it new. Right. Um, so that's a great way to save. But in general, I would not allocate a large chunk of my budget to something that is just going to be worn once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always like to consider the cost per wear when I buy clothes in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I invest in the things that I'm gonna get more use out of. Like I would say buy a killer pair of shoes before I would spend five grand on a wedding dress unless you plan to sell it after the wedding and recoup at least half of that money yeah. back. But yeah. Um, but yeah, and then and other other things, you know, like flowers tend to be a really big expense for couples, um, especially fresh flowers, because there's hard cost involved there on the florist's behalf. And then the professional artistry of them arranging it, it's definitely not cheap. So there are some good alternatives, whether it's, you know, just going very simple with your centerpieces and doing candles and vases or you know, we, we feature so many beautiful budget weddings on the Budget Savvy Bride. And 
couples share like the ways that they were able to cut back and they share actually a budget breakdown. So mm. it's really super helpful for couples who want to see what others were able to do with the same budget that they have. So you can visit our site and um, click on a budget amount and it'll show you other weddings done on that amount and, and how the couples broke down their budget. That's incredible. It's really, really helpful, honestly. Yeah. And you know, when it comes to flowers too, like maybe consider doing like silk flowers instead of the real thing. Mm -hmm. There's some really great companies out there who do like um, silk flowers that you can rent and they'll ship them to you via FedEx and then you use them, set them up and send them back. Nice. It's called Something Borrowed Blooms. They're really um, very cool. And then, you know, like less is more, like kind of we touched on earlier, I think simple is chic mm -hmm. and like we can all embrace that a little bit and, and remember that like, you're not going to remember what your wedding looked like. You're going to remember what it felt like. And I think that's something that couples should focus more on, how they want to feel. Yeah. That's a great place to end it. You could tweet that podcast, Sean. Amen. <clears throat> Jess, thank you for being here today. You're awesome. That's so great. <laughs> I want to encourage folks to check out your website, thebudgetsavvybride.com. You can find our book. You can find all the stories, all social media over there as well. Thank you for being a Patreon supporter. We yes. really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Love people. Use things. We'll see you next time. Bye. The Minimalists. <laughs>